for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. There's always we could just look right in the rearview mirror to things that just happened, but it's uh, I, I can't think of a bigger deal around South Dakota sports right now than uh, Tucker Craft and the draft on Thursday. This feels like this could be as as high as it's been. I mean, Dallas was in the second round, mm-hmm. and uh, what what are we thinking for Tucker? Um, I don't think the first round is out of the question, but that would be a a little bit of a stunner. Someone would have to be someone would have to really like him and reach for him to go in the first round. He's Because this is a really deep tight end class. The year Dallas came out, he was one of, I think, three tight ends that everyone kind of said, these are the elite tight ends. And if I'm not mistaken, he was the third to be taken among those three. And I remember at the time going, you're wrong. He's the best one of the three. But I bet you he's going to be the third one taken because the other teams are going to get cold feet and go, when in doubt, pick the guy from you know, Penn State or Georgia or wherever over South Dakota State. And if I remember correctly, at least one of those other two guys, uh, Mike Kosecki, I think, uh, has turned out to be a pretty good player. But Dallas was the best tight end in that draft. He's one of the best tight ends in the NFL. So we'll see what happens with Tucker. Um, but most of the projections I've seen have him going on e- in either the second or third round. Um, one of them that I saw had him going in the third as the 100th pick. That's as late as I've seen him. Um, the Lions have been mentioned at 56. The Raiders have been mentioned. I think they have a pick in the 60s. Uh, the Bears, some other teams. I know the Saints and Broncos are in on him. They've had him actually into their facility to you know interview him and work him out and stuff like that. You know, trying to guess what team he's going to end up with is kind of silly. I mean, who knows what you know between trades start happening and you know that's who knows. Um, but I'm pretty confident we're going to see him taken on Friday, which was like you said, the same day Dallas was taken and. You take it on Friday. You're you're making some money. You're potentially a a starter, if not right away, then then soon. Which is again the the path that that Dallas Goddard followed. So it's a cool story because you know not just a South Dakota State guy, but a, a South Dakota kid growing up in Timberlake, nine man guy out in the middle of nowhere, and also you know coming to SCSU and everything that happened to him in the last you know eighteen months with uh, having a chance to go play it. You know, I think I think the cat is out of the bag now that Alabama is one of the schools that offered him. That's I knew that, but I was told to keep it to myself. Well, some other sources have now reported that, so I'll go ahead and yes, Alabama was one of them. Yes, NIL and some other things thrown in the mix. There were some other schools. Alabama was the biggest one, but there were some others in that in that neighborhood of of national clout that were interested in Tucker, and you know. I think maybe this this story has actually got a little bit undersold. Not just that he turned that down. Everyone kind of knows about that. But he specifically turned it down because he said, I want to win a national championship. Everybody says that shit. You know, I want to come back to school to win a national championship. He did it. Yeah. You know, he actually came back and led well, his team to I, a... I also think it's funny that he turned down Alabama because he wanted to win a national championship. Because right. Right. they're pretty much They always, win them too, yeah. 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 Well, and... Uh, 
interesting. You know, Alabama was a, a play here, a play there away, as always, from making the college football mm-hmm. playoff, but they didn't. But what role would Tucker Craft have had on that team? We well, don't you, know. It, no. I wonder if he would have had a role would, in know. his presence with that target on a third and long here and there in the red zone. Uh, right, but difference. if he hadn't got hurt in the Iowa game against SDSU, he would have had, you know, 80 or 90 touches last year for the Jacks. And, yeah. You know, he was clearly yeah. the, their number one weapon, and I think that's why the offense got off to such a slow start last year. They had designed this playbook to be built around him, and then all of a sudden, oh, we're not going to have him for the next eight weeks. You know? Yeah. It, it, you know, this it, sometimes to me it seems a little trite to like, well, let's – Let's compare him to Dallas Goddard and see if he can has the potential to be as successful as Dallas is. And we do this simply because Dallas also played at South Dakota State, and Dallas also came from the Small middle town of nowhere South in South Dakota. Kid, yep. But mm-hmm. you know, I guess it's the easiest thing to do. And it's so. Is there any reason to believe he can't? You got to be on the right team, obviously, and mm-hmm. things stay injury free and. We never know what's going to happen, but it seems like he's got all, not just the physical attributes. It seems like he's got all the grown-up adult, mm-hmm. intangible type of things like Dallas does that mm-hmm. he's not going to get in his own way, mm-hmm. and he should be he should be pretty successful. I mean, I, if I know him one thing, it, it appears the NFL does value being a grown-up. Like you may not, like talent and size, all mm-hmm. that stuff mm-hmm. matter tremendously. Mm-hmm. But it, it, put your head down and be a grown-up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like C.J. Ham, perfect example. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you could get richly rewarded with at least staying on rosters and staying uh-huh. in the league for a while. Well, I think, um, like you said, it is easy and maybe lazy to compare him and Dallas just because there are so many similarities in their background. The biggest similarity I see in them as players is the confidence they both had. Uh, Dallas Goddard was one of the first guys at SDSU, uh, I think, to really come out and say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play with some swagger. I'm going to be cocky. I'm going to go ahead and celebrate big plays and have play with some personality and some flair. And I think he went a long way towards loosening Stig up a little bit and and wow. being being okay with. Well, look at who the superstars were before him. Zach Zenner was very much you know a Barry Sanders hand the ball to the official after he scored a touchdown sort of thing. Even Jake Winicky, an electric player, but you know was certainly not was very uh, humble in his approach. Um, and I'm I, to be clear, I'm not saying Dallas was not humble or that he was, you know, arrogant or rude or whatever. I loved watching Dallas Goddard play, and part of why I liked him as a dude was that personality. Um, he just he, didn't hold himself back. He played the game like a pro. Yeah, you know, he very much it was like, yeah, hi, I'm a Division One football player. I'm going to go to the NFL. You know, he, he, to use your word, he played like an adult. You know, I remember in the NDSU game, either his junior or senior year. Someone from NDSU got an interception, and Dallas went up and tried to punch the ball out after the guy had picked it off. And it was slightly dirty, you know, like, yeah, he was punching the ball, but he was also sort of punching out of frustration. And Well, and we it, know those dirty jackrabbits. Right. Who, who well, were, to, and were it, told by the fraud John Stiegelmeyer to, right, uh, to right, be dirty. Right, right, right. And a, a Fargo reporter really tried to sort of confront Dallas about what a dirty play he'd made, and Dallas was just kind of like, yeah, I punched him because he had the ball, and I was trying. Like, I just remember him being just completely unaffected by, like, yeah, what are you gonna do about it? What are you, my dad? Piss off, you know? Like, and I always appreciated that about Dallas. And Tucker's the exact same way. Um, you've read some of his comments in my stories. You've seen some of his comments on camera. He is not afraid to let his personality out. He's very, very confident. Uh, he, he, him, and Dallas both. 
they're not like, oh, geez, I wonder if I can make it to the NFL. They're both like, I can't wait for these guys in the NFL to see me. Dallas was very much like that. I, I remember on his pro day, he gave a comment, Dallas did, about, I can't wait to get to the NFL and dominate. And a lot of people in the room were like, did he just say that? I was like, yeah, he did. And you know what? He's probably going to go to the NFL and dominate. And, you know, he didn't right away, but he also immediately made clear he was ready. This was not going to be too much for him. The only reason he didn't become a dude right away is because he was on the same team as Zach Ertz, you know, and they eventually got rid of Zach Ertz to make room for Dallas. Um, I think Tucker Craft can make a similar impact. Now, they are different players, even though they play the same position. Uh, I just posted a story today on Sioux Falls Live uh, kind of rounding up a bunch of the different projections and and comments that Tucker's been getting from different scouts, different media organizations. And there's a, there's a, there's a wide sort of array of opinions out there. One scout in particular was really down on Tucker. He's like, he's not that good. I don't see the big, like, I couldn't believe how down on him he was. What are the strikes against him? Uh, Everything. Like this guy shit on everything he could do, which just really made me think this guy, I feel bad for whichever team is employing this scout because he doesn't know what he's doing. And I don't say that out of bias towards Tucker Craft. Like, if you don't think he's going to be, you know, an NFL Pro Bowler, that's fine. But this guy was basically like, I don't, this guy can't play. Well, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, most of the other scouts, the consensus is pretty much great athlete, good blocker, pretty good hands. Not amazing hands, but good hands. Uh, the biggest knock on him is that he's not a very good route runner. And I think if you watched him, you can see that. Not that he was a bad route runner necessarily, but he's a little bit of got that sort of you know bull in a china shop sort of uh, method of, of running downfield. Um, but one one scouting report I saw said... I think he's a better all-around player than Dallas Goddard. Now, first of all, that's saying an awful lot yeah. because Dallas Goddard's probably one of the five best tight ends in the NFL right now. Um, but also, I can understand why you would say that because um, the when Dallas came out of college, I was like, uh, we don't know how good of a blocker he's going to be because the Jacks basically used him like a wide receiver. You know, he had 90 catches his junior year and 75 more as a senior. Tucker was used more as a blocker. I mean, we talked about it during their playoff run to the national championship. He didn't get the ball that much. You know, and to his credit, he didn't squawk about it too much. He's like, if I got a block, I got a block. I don't care. I want to win a national championship. And they did. And other than this one idiot scout who was, like I said, just shitting all over Tucker, uh, the other ones are like, this guy can block right now. He can block out in the open field, but he can also block as an inline guy, like, you know, lining up tight to the tackle. Um, that gives him a big leg up that he's already. A lot of times you get these guys that were pass catching tight ends coming out of college. It's like, okay, we're going to have to teach him how to block. Tucker can already do that. And he's got all, you know, like I said, his body control, his ability to catch balls that are thrown behind him uh, is something that a lot of scouts have mentioned. He had a couple drops early in his career. I felt like he mostly uh, sewed that up towards the end. Um, He's pretty close to the complete package. I'll be really surprised if he doesn't have a similarly productive career to what Dallas Goddard is on his way to have. Is he, I feels weird for it to ask, is he oversized? Is he undersized? Is he just the right He's the size? right size. 6'5", yeah. 255. Yeah, I mean, that's... Jeez, yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah. And yeah. You, you think 6'5", 255, shit. and you don't know what that looks like necessarily, but go to go to his Twitter account, and there are pictures of him working out without a shirt on. The dude's got... Oh, okay, I'll yeah. do it, yes. <laughs> the dude's got a six-pack. I mean, he is be, he is shredded. He is ready to go. Well, he... and that, so, so, he's, so he's got all that, and that's usually... I think most tight ends are this way, but just didn't. But it just, you know, every now and then you catch an athlete who either takes his size, his talent, 
et cetera, for granted and the whole you're so good you don't even know it type of thing. Mm-hmm. That, that's not Tucker Craft. Mm-hmm. He's He wields, you know, I, I know and you know a guy or two who has his kind of size or his kind of strength and in, not enjoys throwing it around, but enjoys having that. It's already a built-in advantage a lot mm-hmm. of times mm-hmm. in everyday life, but mm-hmm. especially in athletics. But some some don't use it as well as they should. Or, or he he seems very much like he's got nothing to be afraid of. I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think and, he he you know he played mostly running back in yeah. high school and a little bit of quarterback, linebacker, some other positions. I think that helps him. He plays tight end like a running back. Another thing a lot of the scouts have said is he needs to get better before the ball is in the air because he plays like a running back. He's at his best after you get him the ball. Yeah, and that's why you saw the Jacks run so many you know quick tight end screens or tight end dumps where they're just like give the ball put the ball in his hands and let him make plays after the catch he's great at that he does need to get a little bit better before the ball's in the air coming off the line of scrimmage that kind of thing but it's not like like that's something he struggles with the jacks used him similarly to how they used dallas goddard and they line him up in the slot they line him up off the ball line him up wide at times so uh like i said there really aren't too many things that you want an nfl tight end to do that you look at him and say yeah i don't think he can handle this yeah so i went to his twitter account you're right yeah yeah, he's in pretty decent shape (laughs) i wonder why he does that maybe is it it, it helps his draft status or who knows yeah Um, i'm sure you would never post pictures of yourself on social media if you look like that (laughs) you post enough of yourself as it is and you don't look like i do not (laughs) no i post too many drinks i don't post too many things of myself you did when you were his age did I? I get I, I prob well I well I didn't have Twitter when I was his age, but and I never looked quite like that, but I looked a lot closer than like than that to that than I do now. Um, any other uh, any other jacks that are gonna potentially be drafted? Um, there's quite a few names out of South Dakota, if not necessarily from South Dakota State. Um, Seth Benson, you know, the linebacker from Iowa who Sioux Falls Washington kid. I mean, he's an all Big Ten linebacker and I haven't seen him on the mock drafts. That kind of blows my mind that you could be an all Big Ten linebacker and not even be a you know six, must be under, six seventh rounder. He must be undersized. Uh, uh, that's the only thing I can think. I think I don't even remember. Act. I don't think he is. Um, I think maybe what it is in Seth's case is that he's such a polished player, um, and w- you know we saw that in high school and throughout his college career. He's such a mature, smart, well coached. You know he was a guy who. Chad Statham loved to tell the story about when he was a freshman on the varsity at Washington, he would go around telling upperclassmen to clean up after themselves, stuff like that. Um, I think the idea maybe with Seth is that they're very low floor, you know, uh, or I mean high floor but low ceiling, you know, that he's so polished already that he's kind of close to a finished product. I still think that would be a really useful player. Um, I would hope that at the very least, if Seth doesn't get drafted, that he'll end up getting invited to a free agent rookie camp by someone. I would think he probably would because, again, all Big Ten linebacker. I mean, there have been some pretty good linebackers to come out of the University of Iowa, if I'm not mistaken. So that seems like a, a name to keep an eye on. Um, by the way, uh, I just looked this. So he yeah, is, I can see you're not listening to me. He's No, I'm, he's <laughs> six. I am listening to you. I can multitask. You, you do this all the time when the mics aren't on to me. So I, I do not. I, yeah, okay. He was, uh, he's 6'1", 205. That's a little the, undersized. The, a, well, yeah. I, I like, so I Googled the average linebacker. And they list him at 205? Average NFL linebacker. Yeah, they did. Boy, I would have well, thought Seth was bigger than that. Uh, anyway, it's, I can't. I think he's bigger than 205. 
Anyway, I'll, I'll keep looking. Doesn't matter. The point is, right well, now he's not projected to go high, if at all, in the draft. Uh, but I think he would be a guy you'd be silly not to invite to camp and give him a chance to try out for your team. Um, another guy from South Dakota that didn't play college ball in South Dakota, Spencer Wagey for North Dakota State. Um, he was one of the best pass rushers in the Valley for the last four years. Watertown kid. Led the Bison in sacks this last year. Uh, dealt with some injuries in his career. I think because of COVID, he was a six-year guy at NDSU. So, again, he might be one of those dudes that low ceiling, high floor kind of guy. But coming out of NDSU, I mean, most of the guys who have gone to the NFL from the Bison have worked out okay. I've gone on to have a career of some kind. So I sure. Uh, what is it that you can't wait to read to me that you just found? I, I, I want to find Seth Benson's sign. <laughs> I wait. <laughs> I must have had, I must have had it uh, from like his freshman year or something. Yeah. It, Sorry. Okay. I know. It's I'm I'm sticking to one thing. Keep going. No, I'll wait. This is obviously really important. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, I was being facetious. It's not important at all. Put I, your phone I, down. I know you're being facetious. <laughs> I can tell when you're being facetious. Um. So those two guys who are not from South Dakota programs, I think are both worth keeping an eye he's on. He's 232. There Thank you. Go. And that he's six feet tall. Okay. And then I saw something that said the average NFL linebacker, 6'2", 240. Yeah, well, Ish. so he was so okay. he's lost an inch and gained right. 30 pounds. All right. I don't know. Um, that was worth I did it. a story last week on an SDSU baseball player who the roster says he's 5'11". The coach told me he was six feet, and the player himself told me he was 5'8". Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. I wrote 510 uh, in my story. Yeah. I figured I'd split the difference. Wow, that's pretty common. Good um, f- what a guy. Yeah. Anyway, um, so those two that I mentioned, um, Caleb Sanders, the defensive tackle for the Jacks, is not going to get drafted. But he was, you know, the heart and soul of that defense the last couple of years. And he had a great pro day. Um, I, I don't know what kind of chances he had before his pro day, but that certainly helped. He showed some speed. He showed some explosiveness. I'll be surprised if someone doesn't invite him to a camp. Like I said, I'll be really, really surprised if he gets drafted. Uh, But I think he'll get a shot. Um, Eli Weber, the safety from Augustana, uh, he's got pretty good size, and he was a really productive player for the Vikings. You never know with the Division II guys if someone's going to give him a look or how good of a chance they have. But I think he's got a shot. Thurl Reisdorf for the running back for USF, same kind of thing. Not going to get drafted, but he had a good pro day. He's 6'1", 220. You know, he could maybe be this, a C.J. Hand. I was thinking, of, that's, how, that's what I'm know, thinking, yep, C.J. Hand. You know, a, a fullback special teams guy who can carry the ball. I mean, C.J. Ham has obviously given a lot of hope to a lot of guys around here. Yeah. I thought Mikey Daniel was maybe going to have a C.J. ham like career in the NFL, and he was in camp with a couple teams. Whatever happened. It didn't, it, he didn't make it. Uh, he okay. played in the USFL for a while, and he's actually now on the Nebraska Cornhuskers coaching staff as like a football uh, liaison or something, uh, but he's a Husker what a now. death sentence. Oh, my gosh. Well, hey, there's your in to Nebraska, Mikey Daniel. <laughs> Not really. I never knew him. Um, uh, and now Alex That's J- your in to Nebraska. Yeah, at, at, uh, and Alex Jensen out of USD. Um Left tackle for them the last few years, the anchor of that offensive yeah. line. He was hurt for his pro day, so I don't know how much that affected it. I've heard, a, you know, a couple people from USD have told me they think he's going to get drafted. I don't think he's going to, but we'll see. Um, you know, Tom Compton, a former USD O lineman, has had a really great career in the NFL. I mean, he's never been a star, but he's still in the league. He's yeah, like he's a twelve-year guy. Yeah, yeah, and he's been a starter at times. Yep. You know, and that was back when USD was very early in their D one transition. 
He's played 150 games in the NFL. You know, he's had a great career as a sixth round pick. He was with the Vikings for a bit, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he yeah. started for the Vikings for a while. Yeah, that's yeah. And he's a Minnesota guy. You know, I think he was with the Broncos last year. He's had some injuries, but the guy just keeps showing up and keeps getting jobs. So yeah. that's an example of guys that can make it. So I think that's about everyone um, locally. Yeah. But I mean, again, that that's what's so cool about covering the NFL draft now in this area is where it used to be maybe every seven or eight years one guy yeah. might get drafted now every year we have a couple guys that are in the hunt maybe one guy every now and then that we know is going to get drafted like tucker craft is this year guys getting into camps i mean it it's made the draft a lot more fun for us around here that's for sure all right uh we'll go back to the spring games uh you can only be in one place so you're mm-hmm. at the jackrabbit spring game and uh takeaways um, it was uneventful, which I think is a good thing. You know, ideally, if you're playing an intra-squad scrimmage, you want it to be kind of a stalemate, right? You don't want one side to dominate the other. It felt like kind of a stalemate. I thought, for the most part, the defense did a pretty good job. I wouldn't say they pushed around the offense, but there were a lot of negative plays. There were a lot of stops, some sacks. But the offense had a few explosive plays, which is how they ended up scoring some points and winning the game. They did a unique format because, you know, there's all, all like you get three points for a sack and four points for an interception. And they, they try to do all these different ways to score it. Uh, uh, exhausting. Yeah. And <laughs> it feels like there's never a good way to do it. No. I almost think sometimes why even keep score? You know, just go out and I don't know. But Jimmy Rogers had a great idea, I thought. He said he looked at the stats and said, OK, last year. Our offense averaged 34 points a game, and our defense allowed 16 points allowed per game. So let's start the game. The defense has an 18 nothing lead. That's the differential. So defense starts leading 18 nothing, okay. and the offense has four quarters to catch them. If, you know, and they ended up scoring late in the fourth quarter to win. Win. I yeah. Use that in, in quotation marks. Uh, 23 to 18. Um, the starters, as you might imagine, didn't play a whole lot. Mark Gronowski did play. Um, took a few snaps, just threw some short passes, never ran it. Isaiah Davis threw a halfback pass on the first play of the game, so they started with some trickery. Aww. But I don't think he ever had an actual carry. Um, but some of the other running backs, uh, Angel Johnson, Viberg Hurley star yeah. that you yeah. remember, oh, yeah. had a really good game, had a 65-yard touchdown. Um, Derek Johnson, uh, running back from Austin, Texas, had a couple nice runs before getting hurt. Because uh, Amar Johnson was hurt. Three of their running backs are named Johnson. That's pretty annoying. Um, a lot of Johnsons flying around that <laughs> locker room. Hey, <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, Thank you. I was I was really impressed with Chase Mason, the quarterback, also from Viberg Hurley, mm-hmm. who you know was probably going to find a way to to somehow contribute last year, and then he tore his ACL. Yep. Um, right now, he's third on the depth chart behind John Bell, who was just put on scholarship as one of the backup quarterbacks. They've said nothing but good things about John Bell, but I'd be surprised if Chase Mason didn't end up uh, being the number two quarterback. Why do you say that? Why, Why do you what, say that? Yeah, that Chase Mason. Will? Yeah, I mean, because he's a Division One athlete. You know, I mean, he was recruited by FBS teams coming out of high school. He, mm-hmm. he was going to be the Nebraska Cornhuskers starting center fielder until mm-hmm. he decided he wanted to come back and play football. Yep, he's six five, two thirty. He can run. He's got all the tools. I mean, he, he should be beating out a guy like yep. John Bell for the backup yep. spot. Um, and plus, you know, the Jacks. He didn't. He left Nebraska baseball to come here. Yep. He didn't come here to sit the bench. He right. didn't come here to you know spend his whole career holding a clipboard for Mark Gronowski. So I think the Jacks are going to want to find ways to get him on the field however they can. Stig told me last year before he got hurt they were maybe going to entertain creating a package for him to come in and you know do some. Well, he's kind of tight end size. 
there have been a lot of uh, Chase probably doesn't even want me to say this out loud, but there has been a lot of talk of could he be a tight end if they convert him to that. Every indication I've been given is that Chase Mason is very adamant. Nope, I'm a quarterback and I want to play quarterback. And that I mean, he's got a chance to be really special at that position. Probably has a chance to be special as a tight end too. No kidding. I mean, you look at the the frame; it's there. Yeah. And obviously, that as we've seen, Tucker Craft, Dallas Goddard, there is an avenue to the NFL there. Uh, but right now, he's a quarterback, and I thought he looked really good at the spring game. I think he, like I said, I would be excited about him as potentially being your QB two. Okay, and there was the USD spring game as well. I know nothing I didn't about see it. it. Yeah, they, I, I, I uh, they didn't I, even send out a like. A recap of it. I, I heard that they were kind of like trying to keep it. Didn't want any video online. Oh wow! They didn't want anyone to see what they were doing. And yeah, interesting. Hush hush. That you know that's that's an interesting thing unto itself that we could talk about in a second. Um, I Jay Elson did an interview with Bob Nielsen, who said kind of some of the same things that you were going over just with o- spring overall, not necessarily holding in on the game. Mm-hmm. And um, Bob was overall happy with things he likes josh davis that josh davis is fitting his scheme to his personnel Mm -hmm. which i'm sure was maybe at least somewhat a directive of bob nielsen but josh is probably smart enough to figure that out as well Mm -hmm. um that the defense was way ahead of the offense and yes i will have another um the defense was way ahead of the offense um not surprisingly that should be whatsoever uh that that the new coaches were acclimating well. I mean, it was nothing spellbinding, but mm-hmm. it was uh, it was Bob kind of giving the general Bob stuff that th- 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 things are all right here. We're we're mm-hmm. buttoning up. We're improving. We're mm-hmm. going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a, <laughs> it wasn't a great glimpse beyond. I would encourage people to listen to what Zim had to say, based off of your observations of the one spring practice you did get to see and what's going on in general over there. Um, it's. Um, they could they could go right back to being 500 ish contending for playoff status ish again think so. this year. I mean, it, I haven't you know broke down I, what the league's going to look like coming back next year. I will but. say one thing that stuck out, and Bob Nielsen reminds me of Tom Osborne, Frank Solich, Nebraska guys who just they're not going to give they're not going to give you a lot when, when they have these interviews. But if you listen closely enough, mm-hmm. you might pick up on a pearl. And the closest thing that came to this interview that you find on YouTube it was it was Midco, it was Jay Elson. Is it he, uh, you know, he mentioned, he said something, I'm paraphrasing, I don't have the verbatim, that, you know, we have the defense to compete in the Missouri Valley. You know, I don't know if, he didn't say we have the defense to win the Missouri Valley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have the defense to co- to compete in the Missouri Valley, as in game in, game out, in this, the, thank you, the toughest, you know, league mm-hmm. in the country, that we can keep games close and we can keep scores low mm-hmm. with our defense. So it'll be interesting to see, and that's probably not a, any great revelation for a Coyote fan, but... It kind of tells you what Bob's thinking right now is we've got a new offense. He likes any he he likes the new quarterback, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we're this is going to be very. Let's not screw things up. Mm-hmm. Let's. Um, I, I'm going to guess they're going to try to play conservative and make it pos- games possession games if they can. Early on, you yeah, know. yeah. And if things go well early on, yeah, you know, then maybe you open it up a little. Almost bit. like an Iowa way of playing football to mm-hmm. a degree. You got to go. With oh, your their strikes. offense will be better than Iowa. I can guarantee <laughs> well, you that. Well, whose whose isn't? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any any um, anything I, from Augie or USF? That, uh, they're still going. Um, yeah. Augie spring game is this Saturday. I'm hoping to make it to that. 
and USF spring game is the following Saturday. I'm hoping to make it to that too. Um, you know, there, there's some transition going on there. I mean, uh, Augie made a change at offensive coordinator, replacing James Schrank with Tyler Powpow, who is a USD assistant. Um, kind of a similar thing there where I asked OJ, like, okay, does this guy come in and, and rewrite your playbook or do you want him to, you know, design something around the personnel you have? And obviously the answer there is a little bit of both. Uh, they need better quarterback play. You know, Casey Bauman was the transfer from Montana State who had flashes of being good, uh, but he also had flashes of being really bad. And Thomas Skolton came in and was kind of a great relief pitcher, but struggled a little bit at times when he was asked to, to sort of be the guy. So they're in a little bit of a battle for the starting job. Sounds like that's probably Casey Bauman's job to lose, um, but they've got two good quarterbacks, so that's a place to start. Jared Epperson was hurt all last year. If he comes back healthy, that gives him a good running game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, they have a lot of injuries, but you know a lot of people do in the spring, and sometimes it's just holding guys out because why you know risk further injury or give them the rest, whatever. USF, it's a whole different thing in that that's just a weird situation in that you know they yes. fire a guy who very nearly took him to the playoffs. Yes, they were eight and three last year, um, but by firing John Anderson, they really cleaned house. Um, this is the first time ever, really, that they've fully started over since Bob Young was there. Now I know Jed Stugart was not. Uh, affiliated with USF when he took over the job, but Jed kept every Kalen DeBoer assistant wow. when he replaced him. Wow. So it was really, you know, Jed came in and like was going to continue yes. the same program. I, re I realize what I have here. Right. I'm not going right. to screw it up. Yeah. Um, now Jim Glagowski is coming in and it's an all new staff. To your knowledge, is that his idea? or I think it's a little bit of both, but probably more so the administration saying we want we want a new staff in okay. here. Um, but, you know, also Jim wants his own, as many of his own people as he can, and he's brought in people that he has a history with. He didn't, you know, it's not like he went out and, you know, posted a job and said, hey, let's see who interviews. He went out and targeted people that he already had worked with before. And, and a reminder and for those with. who, most people know who listen to this probably know this, but this is a guy who was a defensive coordinator at Mankato, which is always a top 25 mm -hmm. school mm -hmm. and usually the best mm -hmm. team in the Northern Was Sun. also a DC at USD for a long time and was a head coach at Division Three Simpson College for a while. Uh, but anyway, so he's coming in, starting completely over brand new staff. A lot of players are gone. You know, a lot of them graduated. Um, Zach Durfee, their star defensive end, transferred to Washington to play for Kalen. Uh, a lot of other good players were pissed off about how things ended and entered the portal. So there's not a ton of returning experience. Um, so Jim Glagowski, to his credit, was very candid when I went out to practice. Like, yeah, I don't know who a lot of these guys are. I don't know what they can do. They're learning what we want as a staff. Uh, when I asked him how are things going, he's like, everything's great as far as like the effort and the buy-in and the attitudes and all that. But he's like, it's been slow. Like it's taken these guys a while to figure out what we're gonna do. And that none of that sounds crazy. You know, new coach, first year, you expect that. Yeah. But they were eight and three last year, and also this is a program that what twenty eight winning seasons in a row. And I brought that up, and he said, "Yeah, I don't feel like I have freedom to." go three and eight and go, well, you know, <laughs> we're rebuilding. It's my first year. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like if that does happen, he's not going to get fired. Right. But nobody wants that. That that streak of consecutive winning seasons, that means a lot to that program. Yes, they make a big deal out of Winners it. Winners win. Yeah, yeah. So I think very much there's some pressure on him to at least go six and five, uh, if not compete for the playoffs. Because, again, they were literally one play away last year from being in the playoffs.
All right, Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet. Uh, the, let's let's just take it from the Minnesota Viking point of view. Uh, do, you, are you, do you feel like it's a whole new world now? Um, I don't know. Uh, I do think the Packers are probably going to have to rebuild. I mean, it feels like – I, I know every Vikings fan feels like, just watch, Jordan Love is now going to become – you know, a 15-year Pro Bowler because, <laughs> as yes. a Vikings fan, we've literally watched 30, 30 years, years. Yeah. of Pro Bowl caliber quarterback yeah. from the Packers. 15 yeah. years of Favre, 15 years of Rodgers. Yeah. They've never really had. Obviously, both those guys, especially Favre, had a couple down years here and there, but for the most part, they've had a franchise yeah. quarterback since you know since you and I were in grade school. Yep. And it's annoying. And uh, the only thing we've got as Vikings fans really to make fun of the Packers is you only won two Super Bowls dur- <laughs> right, during yeah. those 30 you years. You underachievers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Um, but I, I don't think Jordan Love is probably good. I mean, maybe. We'll see. I have no idea what he's really about. But my guess is he's going to be competent at best, and the Packers are going to have to you know, rebuild or whatever. But it's a good trade for them. I mean, I think they got a pretty good return for a guy who basically said, I will not play for you. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of leverage. Right. You know, they kind of had to get rid of him. They got a first and, and a second round pick for this year, right now. Yeah, and then yeah, another good. first later on. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever it was. Could, mm-hmm. could become a first, depending on, you know, who knows what Rodgers has left. Who knows? I don't care about the Jets. I don't care about Aaron Rodgers. You know, they're over in the AFC, whatever. <laughs> um, that'll be an intriguing story, I guess. I, I read somewhere that the Jets are going to be on primetime like five t- of times. Of course. This year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How'd that work out for the Broncos when they went out and got Russell Wilson? Um, so. And the, you know, the Broncos, like the Jets, had a great defense, not much of an offense, yeah. and Russell couldn't really flourish under that. It feels like Aaron Rodgers is an alien no matter what you give him. And I, I mean, fine. he wasn't nearly as good last year, but he was still pretty good. Um, yep. Which yep. is kind of when Favre went to the Jets. He wasn't shitty at that point in his career, but no. he was nowhere near right. his prime. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. It, it is more intriguing to me to see what's going to happen to the Packers, not just in 2023, but the next few years. Oh, yeah. You know, if they use one of those picks to draft another franchise quarterback or if they try to build around Jordan Love and what that means for the NFC North. Obviously, the Vikings are coming off a 13-win season, but I, and I think many other Vikings fans, think the Vikings are going to take a big step back this year. Big step back. I I really think so. I think they just had so much luck. They're going to have a tougher schedule. Um, You know, the the, the roster has already undergone a lot of changes. I have no idea what they're going to do in the draft this weekend. There's a lot of talk out there that they're going to trade up for one of these quarterbacks. Yes. And I don't see how they can make that happen. I don't think they have the assets to do it, but you never know. Um, Stu Whitney treated, tweeted last night that, hey, it's the Lions division. It might be. It really might. I mean, they finished last year really strong. Um, they And, you know, good for them if they can if they can finally find a way to, to not, you know, shit themselves and step on their own feet and screw it up again. They do have a chance to be the best because the Bears are still a mess. So it could be next year. The Lions win 11, 12 games and – the Vikings go eight and nine, seven and ten, and who knows what happens. I to can the certainly t- sense and feel and understand from Vikings fans. Oh, we just had the horseshoe last year, and the law of averages, and it's got to swing back the other way. I don't know. They they had a pretty shitty defense, and they still they had a really had, shitty, defense. really shitty defense, and they still won thirteen games. Uh, I I don't think that was all locker good fortune. There was a There's lot some, of that though. Oh, I. I mean, I was at the game at home against the Lions. The Lions did everything they could to give the Vikings that game. Mm-hmm. The Vikings don't do, like the Vikings didn't even win that game. They just didn't lose it, you yeah. know. Uh, and there were there were a few games like that. There, there's um, no doubt. And I'm not, you know. And, I'm, and we'll see what happens at the draft. Maybe after the draft, 
depending on what they do, maybe that'll change my mind. Maybe they'll make more moves in free agency. I don't know. Um, I haven't looked that close at, at, at even what they have coming back next year, the moves they've made. I just, like I said, they were the worst 13 and 14 in NFL history last year. Didn't they have a negative point differential? Like, I think by like did. three points. Yeah. How do yep. you go 13 and four and have a negative point differential? You get, you get your ass blown out by the Cowboys. Right. Because like when they, you play good teams, yeah. you get the shit kicked out of right. you mm-hmm. and you barely beat bad teams. Mm hmm. I mean, yeah. I'd be happy to be wrong. I would much prefer to see them make another playoff well, run well, next the good, year. well, the good news is, is like, what's there to deal with? The Lions are... It's true, um, the, but that's the, only six games, the ones in your division. But that makes it... Well, that makes... Okay, I'll put it this way. That makes a difference in winning the division. That makes a difference. It could. In, that makes a difference in being a play. That's that's. If the, well, that's let's put it this way: if, if, the li- if the Lions end up being shitty too, just because they Lions, because that's what they do. Yeah. Then you could have the NFC North winner be seven and ten, eight and nine. Yeah. And then yeah, maybe the Vikings do have a shot, um, because they probably will be better than the Packers and the Bears. Just because you're better than them doesn't mean you're going to sweep them. You could lose one of those games easily. Of course. And you know the rest you, of their schedule is pretty tough. You can go four I've and seen. two against those teams, and you're not gaining a lot of ground exactly. on the rest of your schedule. Exactly. So. Uh, yeah. The what else were we gonna get to here? Oh uh, well, well, I mean, we're, go, like, look, yeah, I minute, do, I so. do too. Believe it or not, um, I got things to do too. Um, no, you don't. I do actually. I've got a meeting. I've got two meetings. I've got back to back meetings. Canaries. Yeah, uh, one of them's canaries related, and another is one of my other jobs related. <laughs> don't laugh. It's true. Most most of the time we do this. Yes, I I can kind of hang out here the rest of the afternoon. Uh-huh. Um, the okay, so. This is probably for a bigger, bigger thing, and maybe in the summer months when we're a little bit more laissez-faire, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get to the Twins again. But I'll put the, I'll mix the Twins in with the Vikings on this one, and give you one little, one little John Gaskins Nebraska football taste, taster, which, which is very much related to the Vikings and the Twins and their fans in this. So Frank Solich, the guy who took over for Tom Osborne, six years. You've now brought up on like four games. consecutive podcasts. No, two in a row. Stop <laughs> lying. Two in a row. He came. So it was his big weekend. He comes back to Nebraska. Oh yeah, yeah. First time he set foot in the stadium in twenty years, and most people know, you know, by now Nebraska's been shit for twenty years mm-hmm. since they fired Frank Solich. I'll mm-hmm. cut right to it. They've been mostly shit. They've fired. After him, one, two, three, four coaches in a row. Mm-hmm. One of them was Bo Pelini, and he won 70% of his games, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, Nebraska's not anywhere near where it was. They fired him because he wasn't coaching at Tom Osborne's national championship level, which was probably impossible. If you're going to gonna make a point, him. stop repeating things people already so know. So somebody asked him, uh, somebody asked him, is the curse now lifted now that you've come back? People, they, people were using this word all week, okay. all month long, with Frank Solich coming back okay. to Nebraska, getting honored, getting the new locker room named okay. after okay. him. Okay. Uh, and and so he. You're had, still taking way too long to get to this. I gotta go. Then maybe we should save this for another time. He said he joked and he just said, "Whatever, if there was a curse, it's over." You know, because people thought, okay, he's Whatever fin- power he he's has finally to lift set it. foot. In- yeah. He joked about it. Right. So and I just. So you're I w- saying because Bud Grant died that the Vikings curses lifted? No. Up? In general, <laughs> do you believe in sports curses? I just rolled my eyes. I'm like, folks, there was no curse for Frank Solch getting fired. It probably wasn't the right decision, but there's just been a series and string of bad decisions made about head coaching hires and the reality of the landscape of college football and the Big Ten that Nebraska was not going to keep playing at that kind. But it's easier to blame Saban it. Was it's easier to blame it on a curse than say it's yes. just because we've been Vikings fans run think they're poorly. cursed and oh, Twins fans think they're. I don't think Vikings fans. Twins think they're cursed. fans think they're cursed, especially think so. when they play the Yankees. It's not a curse. It's 
They own us. Well, that was going to be my point. The, the Cubs were the ones. Oh, it's a curse. The Red Sox, you know. Even the, curse the, of the Bambino, the curse of the Billy Goat. So the Twins don't think there's any curse, especially when they play. I don't the know Yankees. any Twins or Vikings like like homegrown Minnesota Twins or Vikings fans that think there's some sort of curse. A curse implies that there's someone was wronged, and that's why. We just suck. We just never win well, the games. That, that was going to be my point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's no curse. All right. So that's the uh, that's the end of our show. There's yep, no I fucking curse. Bye. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> you know, around drinks. Yes.